0: Hey, it's Lisa Wimberger here. I'm the founder of Neurosculpting and I have helped thousands of people learn really powerful tools to regulate their minds and their bodies, including pro athletes, entrepreneurs, and those with serious stress-based illnesses. So I'm really excited to help you do the very same thing through education and some incredible guest experts. And together we're going to discover the formula to unlock hope so welcome I think it's really important to um in the course of self-discovery not bypass the crap right I mean I I feel like in our um, self-development world in this curated world of social media where we're really focused on the perfect life, the perfect image. And I feel like in, if you really want to have hope, I, I think you kind of also need to get and experience despair. One does not exist without the other, you know, it's very Alan Watts-ish to realize and appreciate that the light doesn't exist without the shadow and vice versa. So. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit about um, a time in my life where I really got to experience that polarity, the absolute messiness of being a human. Um, And I I write about this in my second book. Uh, It's a chapter really about my mother's death. She she died while I was writing the second book and I didn't know how the second book was going to end. And, you know, I don't know what you think about authors writing books or if they know where they're going and what they're doing, but I certainly didn't. Uh, and I didn't know where the book was going to end. And, uh, I had like one chapter left and got a call, um, that my mom didn't feel so good. I mean, my mother was the biggest brightest energy i have ever met she was never sick she was never down she was the life of the party she was a bright light that i i would just sort of marvel at and i honestly felt a little intimidated by it at times i was very quiet as a child because i could not compete on any level with her brightness um so to have her call and say yeah i don't feel so well that was unusual but she wasn't complaining too much she was just tired maybe a little cold but she said she was losing a little weight which was very rare for her Um, that was the end of august beginning of september 2013. about two weeks later um, she said she really didn't feel well went to the doctor and we get the phone call that she has cancer everywhere everywhere lungs liver bones brain lymph nodes they don't know where it started and i'm i'm in i i remember the very specific place just like if you if you were around and old enough during 9-11, you know exactly where you were when you got the news. I know exactly where I was when I got this phone call. I know what I was feeling, what I was wearing, where I was walking to. And uh, it, it was the most surreal sinking, floating feeling at the same time. The entire rug of my universe was ripped out from under me. And if you've lost a parent, you. you you kind of know how this goes. Uh, if you lost a child or a friend, you, you know what death does. It smacks you in the freaking face. And it says, none of what you thought was real means anything except for this moment. So that's where I was. Um, I couldn't breathe. My, my chest was doing that thing, that really tight thing. And my whole life went on hold and I flew home to New York. uh, And uh, remember being in the hospital with her and all of us were surrounding her, my brothers, my aunts, my father. um, And she looked at me, me, I don't know why me, but she looked at me and said, how much time do I have left? What kind of question is that? How do you answer that question? So I just volleyed it back to her and I said, no way mom, that is not for anyone to decide but you. No doctor, no person can tell you how much time you have left except for you. I believed that when I said it, I didn't mean to say it but I believed it as it came out of my mouth. And she believed it when she heard it and she said to me, oh, okay, good. Well, then not long. So the doctors had given her six months. She decided, no, let's get this shit done. That was my mother, right? Let's get this shit done. So she says, not long. She was she was dead three weeks from that day. If that, if that, just shy of three weeks. But during those three weeks where I was commuting back and forth to Colorado. I was in New York for five days. I'd go back to Colorado for two days because I had a very young daughter and I had to, you know, be present with her. And I was, I was, you know, commuting. Um, I got to sit with my mother while she was in home hospice. Um, she had no pain. Now, granted, we had we had a friend make some Phoenix Tears for her, and we dosed her up real good. So she, I don't know if she would have had pain without it, but she never once complained of pain. Um, She laid there day after day, decomposing in front of me and my family. And uh, there's this, mm, there's this heartbreak that is undescribable to watch someone s- slowly but quickly exit their body. She was shedding. I could see her shedding. I could see her shedding control. Um, you know, I we had to change her. We had to clean her. Uh, we had to do everything for her. And, um, and my father had to participate. It's very difficult. Mind you, these are parents that Um, were were a couple of the 50s right they were married in the 50s and this was a very traditional relationship and the mother takes care of everything and the father does not do that and my father had to do that in his 80s my father had to learn how to clean my mother and change her diaper and oh, heartbreaking so watching my father not grasp, not be willing to grasp what was happening. And watching my mother fully embrace it, this woman was full on, like, yeah, I'm going and I'm going fast, because I'm not gonna lay around here like this. And she lost the ability to speak mostly coherently, but her eyes said everything. (laughs) Her eyes would roll when anyone said anything she didn't like. She still had that sassy judgment, that Italian, Sicilian eye-rolling thing that she could do better than anybody. Um, But I was trying to do two things at one time. I, I was trying to collect up these smashed pieces of my heart and also be present for her and a light for her and this is where despair sort of mm, took its little turn not really a turn this is where despair showed me another shade of it because i was so busy grieving the loss of my mother before she was even gone i was grieving the loss of her as she was dissolving um and i thought Oh, crap, wait a minute, I'm jumping the gun here. She's still here. She's letting me witness a metamorph- a metamorphosis that I could never have imagined. And I, uh, you know, to use a phrase she always used with me, I had my head up my ass, so busy grieving the parts and pieces uh, and scrambling to hold on to memories And I was missing the most precious moments of her life, the most pure presence I have ever felt, the the most gentle commanding I've ever experienced of this woman in her stillness of dissolution demanding I show up. And demanding I did something that I could never do, which was shed the small definition I had of her. To me, she was mom, and to me that was the whole world, but to her that was one aspect. To my father, she was wife and lover and childhood sweetheart and comedian and best friend. To her sisters, she was sister and the light. And she made me lose the definition so I could, get my head out of my ass and experience my mother for this insanely magnificent force of nature and there were moments i could do this there were moments where she mesmerized me and i would stare at her and and i swear i saw her face shape shift i saw shades of things playing out behind her eyes i saw shades of animals and beings and lights and memories and and it was like watching a movie just underneath transparent skin and i just sat there wowed and looked at every line on her face and every single minute felt like eternity and at the same time was like slipping slipping through my fingers like sand and we have this incredible ability to slow down time to bend time to stretch it to freeze it to accelerate it. And we can do this all at once. This is a power that I only had tasted a few times in my life in, in much smaller doses. And this was it. This was it. This was the only time I'd ever have with her in physical form watching her physical form slip away i i can't tell you that hope feels happy and i think this is a big illusion i think the illusion this is why i think people are so resistant to the word hope people get really pissed off when you sit when you're hopeful they get annoyed at you people were always annoyed at me for being hopeful And now I understand why, because their definition of hope implied happy. I didn't feel happy at all while my mother was dying. But she taught me hope and hope was a belief that this very moment, not only is the most precious thing we have good or bad, but It's going to change no matter what we do. It's a belief and a trust that change is inevitable. Sometimes change feels like shit. Sometimes change feels magnificent. So for me, I was learning through her that hope wasn't this happy false positive place it was a compassionate acceptance of change and if i believed all things can change then i can choose at some point to believe in what kind of change that could be and i could orient myself to accepting change with the most presence, the most agency that I could possibly have, which was choice. How do I show up during that change? That is what hope became for me. And so I dropped this idea that hope was supposed to be happy. Screw that. If we think hope supposed to be happy, then any moment in life that's less than happy, we're, we're, we're not going to allow that to be hopeful. And that's where we need hope the most is in those moments where we don't feel happy, where we don't feel that we can accept things. And so hope is this, mm, this uh, fabric of change that this too shall pass. And because this too shall pass, you better fucking pay attention, because you're not going to get it back. You're not going to get a second moment. You're going to get a second this moment. You might get more moments, maybe, maybe, but you're not going to get a second this moment. This is what she was teaching me while she was crushing my heart and smashing it to pieces and annihilating my father's heart and my brother's and at the same time, stitching it all back together with her power to bring family to pure presence at the same time across divides across years of hurt or stories. She brought everybody together. That is a powerful force. And I remember, um, I remember just before she left her body, <laughs> she she got lucid as they do. I've been around enough dying people to know there's this moment of lucidity that happens. And if you're lucky enough to be there and catch it, it is, it is crystalline clarity, like, like a laser. It's magnificent. It's always interesting what someone in a last moment of clarity says. And some of the things she said, uh, to me, were, oh, they're, they're here, they're waiting for me. And I said, Who? And she said, um, my mother and father, and I went, "Oh, Okay, she's getting ready. And then I said, who else? She said, people I don't know. And I said, well, who are they? And she said, Joey and Vinny. And I started laughing because, of course, a New York Sicilian would see a Joey and a Vinny on the other side. And I thought that was really hysterical. But she said they were getting the party ready. Mm. And that's when I knew that the afterlife is what we make it my mother went through life like a party. So of course there's a party waiting for her. How did I want to go through life? This, this, this became the question. Holy crap. How did I want to go through life? Because if I have hope that all things can change, and then I transition out of this body, and this energy goes on somewhere else for infinity, how do I want to define that because clearly she thought she was defining hers. Let's well, put a whole new spin on how I show up in every moment. So can't say I exactly know yet how to crystallize it all. She died in 2013. So it's been quite a while. It still unfolds for me. Um, But what I do know is that I sat in despair for a really long time and that despair taught me so much. That's what hope is, is the capacity to learn and adapt and change and despair was teaching me. It was teaching me to show up more for my daughter. It was teaching me to not sweat the small stuff. It was teaching me to value every single breath. It was teaching me to not really care about the things I cared about before in the same way. And it it doesn't stay linear, right? That's not always my state of being. Sometimes I put my head back in my ass and I forget all those things. But it gave me this new foundation of um, how can I show up differently using the fabric of hope in all of its shadow and darkness and pain and despair and hopefulness and positivity and light and joy and how do I roll that all up into the absolute truth of every single person's existence the absolute truth of your existence right now is that you are both And you're always both. And you're always light and dark. Alternating and at the same time, you are always joy and despair. You are always clarity of presence and head up your ass confused. You are always the worst version of yourself and the best. And this is what I was coming to understand and I'm still working on it. You're still working on it. If you're if you're not working on it, you're not listening right now to this podcast. So I know because you're listening, you are working on it. You're working on accepting the mind boggling paradox that death affirms life, that dark affirms light, that pain affirms pleasure and that an inhale affirms an exhale and all we have is the awareness of each of those tiny little moments and then we stack them together like they're supposed to be our history Um, and we hold on to them and they're tiny little dots pixels of a much larger picture that we don't have all the pixels for anymore. And there are holes and memories slip through like sand through fingers. And these tiny little dots we hold on to, we we string together like this is my history. It's just a piece. It's just a piece. And I'm not saying you should have to witness someone dying. But if you do, pay attention. And if you don't, then understand that this moment right now is dying. This moment is dying. So you better pay attention. Cause the next one's coming and you might miss it. Might be the first of many, might be the last one you ever have, but the process between this one that's dying and the next one is all we get and embracing that feels like freedom to me, feels like the freedom to, I don't know, maybe forgive some shit I did. Maybe uh, accept that I'm going to make more mistakes, and maybe bask when I'm joyful, and not try to hide it. Yeah, so hope doesn't have to be happy. Doesn't have to be joyful. It is the fuel of change. It's all we have. thanks for listening to unlock hope if you'd like to follow us on social media we're at neurosculpting institute on facebook at neurosculpting on instagram you can always reach out to us on our website neurosculpting.com and you can download our app neuropraxis stay well everybody